next Sunday morning, I plan to um, bring a message on the reliability of the Scripture. Have you ever been reading your Bible and saw a, a little note in there that says something like, uh, uh, this verse isn't found in the earliest manuscripts. Have you ever seen that? Has that ever disturbed you a little bit? We're going to look at that. What, what is the meaning of that? And is that true? Are the earliest manuscripts, Greek manuscripts, better? Uh, what version should we use? And... Um, what about these new Gospels that have been discovered? The Gospel of Thomas, for example, and some of the wild stories they tell. Uh, so next Sunday, uh, God in His grace permitting us, we're going to gather in here, we're going to look at that issue. The, the, do, is what we have in our hands the call the Bible is that the word of God to us and and I, I've been looking forward to this I've been preparing for this and so we're going to uh, bring that message to you next Sunday morning today second chronicles chapter 25 let me just read uh, beginning in verse 5 going through verse 9 Amaziah <clears throat> assembled the men of Judah and set them by fathers' houses under the commanders of thousands and hundreds for all of Judah and Benjamin. He mustered those 20 years old and up and found there were 300,000 choice men fit for war, able to handle spear and shield. Verse 6. He also hired a hundred thousand mighty men of valor from Israel, that is the, the ten northern tribes, Amaziah's king in Judah. He goes up and he hires a hundred thousand mercenaries from the north to come down and help him. And he paid them a hundred talents of silver in verse 6. Now a talent, by all accounts, is about 75 pounds. So he paid them 100 talents. That is tons of silver. But a, Verse 7, But a man of God came to him and said, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you. The Lord is not with them. That is, these ten tribes. In the He's with Judah, where the temple is, and the sacrifices are, and the priests are. But the other ten tribes, they, they broke off and built their own temple in Samaria and have their own kings and their own priests and they have their own sacrifices and their own gods. And so God has, has told this prophet to tell Amaziah, king of Judah, don't go get their help. God is not with them. That's in verse 7. Verse 8, but you go and act and be strong for the battle. Why do you think God would cast you down before the enemy? 
God has power to help or cast down. And Amaziah said to the man of God, Okay, but what do we do about the hundred talents of silver I've already paid them to this army in Israel? And here's my theme this morning. The prophet says, The Lord is able to give to you much more than this. He's able to give much more than four tons of silver and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now Amaziah is a descendant of David and a king in Judah. And the story here in 2 Chronicles 25 is that Amaziah, the king in Judah, is going to go fight the Edomites. They are to the south of Judah. Can you give me that map? Is there a... <clears throat> so here is Jerusalem and Judah. That's where Amaziah is. He's going to fight the Edomites. The Edomites hate Israel. And in fact, um, God promises to judge the Edomites. And, and today, if you go over to Mount Seir, where their capital was, there's nothing there. And here's Ezekiel tells why. Ezekiel 35, 4. I will lay your cities waste, he says to Edom. You'll be a desolation because you cherished perpetual enmity. You hated people. And you cherished it. You fostered it. You inflamed it. You taught it to your children and talked about it to your neighbors. And so because of that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be done with you. Now Israel is to the north of Judah. That's the ten tribes up above Jerusalem. And Amaziah has gone up to Israel where they worship in Samaria, false gods, and he's hired 100,000 Israelites. And that's when the man of God comes to him and says, why do you need those guys? Don't you know God is able to lift up or put down? Trust him. Get rid of those. God is not with them. And because God is not with them, they are going to be useless to you. They will even hurt you. Send them home. And the king says, what about all the money? And the prophet said, don't worry about the money. Look to God. He is able to give to you much more than that. So here is the theme this morning. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, <clears throat> or maybe if to a new Christian, you know that there comes times in your life when you look at something, and in order to obey God, you have to give up something. It costs something. You have to lay that down to pick this up. And the message from God to us today, 
is don't worry about what it costs. God is able to give to you much more than that which it costs to be obedient. That's the message today. That's the theme, the point that I want you to get. And that's what the prophet told Amaziah. Now, let's apply this. For example, uh, this should give us a caution on joining with people or uniting with people who don't know God and don't care about God. And that's why the prophet says, don't bring them into this. Don't unite yourself to someone upon whom the blessing of God does not rest. Let's apply to marriage. Uh, we've got young people today, and a lot of you are unmarried now, and you're thinking about these things. Who do I marry? 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14 and 15, gives some instructions here. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. This is a tremendous verse. For what partnership has righteousness with unrighteousness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What portion does a believer have with an unbeliever? How can you bring light and darkness together? You have two worldviews. You have two different belief systems. And he compares it to being unequally yoked like an oxen and a donkey. An oxen would be strong and, and a donkey would be weak and so there would be different. The plow would pull left all the time or the donkey would just have a mind of his own and take off while the ox is plowing straight ahead. And it's a constant source of friction and difficulty and struggle. And folks, life is hard enough without adding to it the stress of a marriage that is unequally yoked. Uh, marriage is to be a place of rest. Marriage is to be a source of strength. Don't turn it into a source of conflict by marrying someone who's in unbelief. They will have a whole different set of rules. They may be courteous to you in the beginning. They may be nice. They may be courteous in regards to your faith. But as if you marry them and as the years roll on, the darkness comes out and it will be very difficult for you and in your faith. So Jehoshaphat, an old, a king in, his, in Judah earlier on, set an example for this. He joined up with Ahab to fight a battle. And it doesn't just have to be marriage. It can be a united effort to do anything, business or politics or uh, a battle or uh, an, a setting of goals. But Jehoshaphat joined up with Ahab and nearly died. He nearly got killed and he cried out to God and God delivered him. 
and he's coming back into Jerusalem and a prophet meets him in 2 Chronicles 19. And he says, the seer went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, should you help the wicked and love those that hate the Lord? Should you love those that hate the Lord? Good question. So how to raise children? What to do? What are you going to do on Sunday mornings? What are you going to do when it comes time to tithe? All of these things will be conflict-oriented for those who are not Christians. And what he says here, what the prophet says here is, look, maybe you're already dating someone and you're already emotionally attached. He says, listen, God is able to give you much more than this. I I had a... uh, couple of serious encounters with possible fiancés around 20, 21 years of age. One of them was a woman who was 31 years of age. She worked for this evangelist, and she was a ventriloquist. And the minute I saw her, I thought, that's my wife. I want her for a wife. I'd never met anybody as good of a ventriloquist as she was. Yeah, she's 10 years older, and I did my best to try to see her. She wouldn't even see me, which was a real downer. And I prayed to God, God, why wouldn't you let her see me? And then as the years went by, and I met Jan, and I realized... God is able to give you much more than a ventriloquist. (laughs) What is it with uh, when we're young, something just sparks romance, and it can be weird. And what we have to do, it takes to find the right one, live by faith, not by love. Hello, somebody, did I just touch a sore spot? Live by faith, not by love. Remember, God is able to give you much more than this. So that, that's the message uh, regarding the marriage. And I'll, I'll give you this little story of a, a young lady who was in love and wanted to marry this young man, and uh, but he wouldn't go to church with her. And but he wanted to marry her. They got engaged, and then one day he just came in and said, he he broke it off. Said, I I don't want to marry you. I met someone else. She was so brokenhearted. She cried and cried and cried. And as the years went by, finally she died and went to heaven. St. Peter met her at the gate. (laughs) You know, this is not a serious story when St. Peter meets you at the gate. So St. Peter shows her where she's going to be in heaven. And there was this big barrel there. And she says, what is that big barrel? And St. Peter says, that's the 
barrel of tears you cried over that boyfriend who broke up with you. And so she said, I believe it. And then she looked up and saw across the street in heaven was a woman. She had 10 barrels. And she said to St. Peter, man, who is that woman? And he said, that's the woman who married the guy that broke up with you. (laughs) Amen. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Praise God that he is able to give us much more than that. Now, the motive that I see here is the motive of faith. So we come to that theme. You have to believe God. So Amaziah said, okay, I'll send them home even though it's going to cost me tons of silver. When it costs you to obey God, you can put it down that God will not be in your debt. You can expect, your expectancy level should rise. God is able, Ephesians 3.20, to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think. You need a bigger view of God's power and God's goodness. That's all you need. If he can do more than you've asked or or thought, then that means there's more there. We are, as some of you know, we are putting a siding on the back of our building over on Bristol Road. It's an older building, so it needs constant care. And They were going to just scrape everything off and paint it, but in the scraping they realized just to repaint this, we're going to have to do it again in three or four years. The best thing is to put siding all along the back because that's where the sun hits it all the time. So we got an estimate of $22,000 to put siding on the back of that building. And we talked about borrowing the money. And I got a check in my spirit that you don't have to borrow the money. God is able to do much more than this. You may have to give more than you had planned on, but... You don't have to borrow. And so we made that decision. We're going to pay for it one way or another, but not borrow it. And then we got an estimate, another estimate of $7,000. That's like a third of what these other guys were going to charge. And then we got some money in, some gift money to the building, and we've already paid 3500 of that $7,000. So now we need 3500 That's where you all come in. <laughs> Especially that back row back there. We're going to get that back row this morning. 
from then on, they'll be sitting in the front. No, but I, I'm going to ask you in our, in our um, offering, I, I want you to give extra today because I'm so confident God's going to give us an extra 3500 on top of our regular budget. We'll write another check whenever they're done in a couple of weeks. We'll pay it off and without borrowing a penny. You know why? Because God is able to give to us much more than that. Amen. So Amaziah, the prophet said, let them keep their money. And when he did, he went to Edom, he attacked Edom, and he destroyed Edom. He captured 10,000 immediately. Another 10,000 he executed. He won the victory. There's a story that backs this up. In Genesis 26, where Isaac is in a place, remember Isaac is the son of Abraham. He's in a place called Gerar in the land of Israel, then the land of Canaan. Now, Gerar, you probably have never heard of. It's a little obscure village that's out of the way, off the beaten path. In Genesis 10, 19, it says it's near Gaza. Now, y'all may have heard of Gaza. That's where Hamas operates out of. It's a terrorist stronghold. Well, Gerar is not far from Gaza. That means it's isolated, it's, it's desert-like, it's parched. It's a difficult place to live in, and a village resided there. That's where Isaac was. When you read chapter 26 of Genesis, you see rude people, crude people, living there, causing Isaac to move to the edges of the territory. And on top of that, it's subject to famine. Um, it says in Genesis 26.1, a famine came to Gerar in addition to the former famine that was there in the days of Abraham. Well, this is famine on top of famine. And that's where Isaac lives. Now you would think, dude, you need to get your kids and go and move somewhere, anywhere but Gerar. And he decides to go to Egypt. But God speaks to him. Genesis 26.3, God says, Stay in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. Notice that. Stay here. Stay put. I will be with you. I will bless you. For to you and your offspring, I will give this land. Stay here. Stay put. I will bless you. And I will give you this land. See, it's not where you live. It's whether you're blessed by God. Amen? He turns chaos into cosmos. He turns disorder into harmony. 
He speaks a word and a universe is born. The key is the blessing of God, not whether you're in Gerar. So here's what the text says, Genesis 26, 12. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. See, again, you have obedience. God, I need to get out of Gerar and go to Egypt. They're so prosperous and they're such, there's some of my own people are down there and jobs are plentiful. It makes sense, except that God said, don't do it. I will bless you here. And, and so he said, all right, if it costs me that, God is able to give me much more than this. So he stayed in Gerar, he sowed in Gerar, and he reaped a hundredfold in a time of famine. Hundredfold. That's like you put in a thousand dollars and get back a hundred thousand dollars in less than a year. And that's a good investment. You will not lose by trusting God. So here's our message this morning. Do you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend that doesn't love God? Politely, with courtesy, tell them that you do love God and you're going to search and ask God to bring to you someone who also loves God. That you do not wish to be unequally yoked for their sake as well as yours. Are you in a, a business? Um, suppose you're walking down the street centuries ago and you need to go to Tarshish an ancient city. I want to go to Tarshish, but I need somebody to go with me. And you know a fella who lives not far, and you've heard he wants to go to Tarshish, so you go to him, and his name is what? Jonah. You say, Jonah, let's me and you go to Tarshish. That's a bad decision. Why? Because God's angry with you? His judgment's on you? No, His judgment's on Jonah. But you have united with Jonah. Therefore, you suffer the same circumstances the man on board with you suffers. Pull the plug on that. But it, I'm all, it's going to cost me. God is able to give you much more than that. That's the message. What about a job that takes you away from church on Sunday morning? It, it pays such good wages. God is able to give you much more than that. What about a sin that brings such pleasure? You don't know how you can live without it. God is able to give you much more pleasure than that.
the blessing that we are trusting God for and believing God for is described by Robert Morris. He's a pastor. I love to listen to him on TV. I, uh, he's one of the few I really, really enjoy. And whenever I can, I listen to him. He's a pastor in Dallas, Texas. And he tells about how he used to keep $100 in his billfold. And when he'd go to church, he would keep his antenna up toward God. And, and if he saw someone that, that the Holy Spirit would say, give her or give him that $100, then he would go do it. And this one particular Sunday morning, he said there was a single mom out there and the Holy Spirit just said, okay, I want you to give her that $100. And, he, and before he could get to her, she was already out the door. And so he had to run out the door and into the parking lot to catch her and to give her that $100. And that little mother hugged him and said, Oh, Pastor, you know, I had $20 to my name this morning. And God spoke to me in church. He said, give that in the offering. And she said, I did. I, I just gave it to God and said, God, I'm throwing myself upon your faithfulness and provision. And here comes the pastor with $100. She said, that is God telling me, I'm here, I saw what you did, and I'm blessing what you did. He told that story in church. And unbeknownst to the pastor, his daughter, who had been away from God, was there that Sunday morning. He didn't see her, but she was, she was the prodigal who had strayed away from God. And she wanted to come back. And when he told that story, she came to the altar of God. She got right with God and she told her daddy these words. She said, Daddy, when you told that story, I know God has blessed you. And I know what you're like. And I want to be like you. Oh, man. Now that's the blessing. I'll take that. Cost me $100. You give me 100 for that, I, I'd throw it away. The blessing is when your child can come to you and, and in faith say, I want to be like you. There is no value on that. That goes through the roof. So when God comes to us and he tells us, I want you to part with this, I want you to part with that, I want you to follow me, I want you to trust me, then let's do it. Because God is able to give to us much more than what we give up to follow him. Ushers, you come, speaking of giving, you come. We are about to tithe. You have a decision to make. Well, I tithe today. And the message is, God is able to give you much more than that. Decision on a special gift to our building fund. 
it's, it's more than repairs to the building. It's a stage of faith. It's a, it's a trigger for growth. This is what God is doing. He's triggering growth for us. And I know you'll do what is of faith today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that you are able to give us so much more than what we cling to. Uh, God, help us this morning, me included, to open our hands, to let go of these trifles so that we may tap into the heavenly riches, true riches, eternal values. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.